Hi, this is Peter Schwartz, public address announcer for the Cosmos, and you're listening to the First Team Podcast. Cosmos Country. On this week's episode, I will review the Cosmos 4-0 victory over Boston City FC. Later in the show, I'll be joined by New York Cosmos Chief Operating Officer Eric Stover and Brooklyn Italians Head Coach Dominic Caschito. So let's kick off the show by reviewing Cosmos B 4-0 victory over Boston City FC in their first match in the National Premier Soccer League. In a seventh minute, Cosmos B took a short corner. Penzini tapped in a simple finish from Joe Sanchez's low cross. one nothing Cosmos B. In the 20th minute, Bartage crosses the ball into the box and Espinol heads the ball into the back of the net to put Cosmos B up to nothing. In the 43rd minute, Danny Sotelo scores the third goal of the match to make it 3 nothing Cosmos B going into the halftime break. And in the 70th minute, Cosmos B score their uh, final goal of the match to make it 4 nothing. Espinol scores his second goal of the match, and the full-time score is 4-0 Cosmos B. We got our first three points of the season. Great performance by the lads out there, and it's great to see that we have some chemistry. We have players working together. You really don't expect that when you have a new group of players. Like last season, Giovanni Savarese had to put together a brand-new squad. There were some familiar faces, like Carlos Mendez, Danny Satella, Lucky, eventually... Um, Jimmy Maurer, but there were mostly brand new players, players that we've never seen on the Cosmos before. Um, so that's what we're seeing now. We're seeing a mix of talented players, the likes of Danny Satella, Bardage, familiar faces, and then we're seeing the additions of uh, new faces. A great performance against Boston, um, and I just want to thank Boston City FC for putting up a great stream as well. Uh, because maybe some clubs don't have the um, resources to put a stream up. I think it was like a three, four camera stream. So it was a quality stream. And I'm hoping for um, some more streams uh, when the Cosmos travel away. And I know Eric Silver said that there's not going to be streams for all the Cosmos home matches. But hopefully for some of them, I think he said the most important ones for fans that maybe can't make it out. Or they support the club from abroad. Um, so I really do want to see more streams, more availability to watch matches uh, because the league is quality. You want to watch your team when they're on the field. You don't want to read Twitter updates. I just want to thank Boston City FC for putting up a quality stream. Looking ahead to next week's matchup in the U.S. Open Cup in the playing round game against Brooklyn Italians of the NPSL. We play in the same conference. Uh, the match will be played on Sunday, May 6th. 
8 p.m. at Long Island University Athletic Complex in Brooklyn, New York. That should be a very interesting matchup. I'm going to go with a 3-0 Cosmos B victory. I think the Cosmos have enough um, talent in the squad to get past Brooklyn Italians. And if the Cosmos do get past the Brooklyn Italians, which I hope we do, they will have to face Lansdowne boys. And I know we should take it one game at a time, but if we beat Italians and beat Lansdowne boys, the Cosmos would face North Carolina FC at Wake Med Soccer Park. That's a great matchup. We're playing a professional team, and hopefully we can get past them and go in the later rounds and play some MLS teams. That's get behind the boys in green, and I really want to go far in this tournament. That's how far we can go. I would like to introduce Brooklyn Italians head coach Dominic Casquito to get a better understanding of Brooklyn Italians ahead of the U.S. Open Cup playing match this Sunday, May 6th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time at Long Island University Athletic Complex in Brooklyn, New York. I'm joined by Dominic, the head coach of Brooklyn Italians. How are you today, Dominic? Yeah, doing very well. Thanks, John. So let's just talk about the Brooklyn Italians uh, before we get into the match. They won the U.S. Open Cup twice. They're not new to this tournament. They're a household name. So just talk about the club, right? Because people might listen to the show, might not know about the Brooklyn Italians in the NPSL. Yeah, absolutely. So the club was founded back in the 40s by mm-hmm. Italian immigrants who settled in Brooklyn. And it was originally a social club. Um, from the social club, the members decided to form a soccer team. And the soccer team went on to be one of the biggest and best clubs in the country before the MLS came around. Obviously, mm-hmm. as you said, they won the Open Cup twice. Um, the club has now uh, had a, a bunch of guys that have gone on to play in the MLS, uh, coach in the MLS or NASL or USL. Uh, Gio Savarese and, and Carlos Lamosa being two guys that spring to mind immediately just because of their connections with the Cosmos. Um, so there's been a lot of uh, a lot of close ties to the Cosmos and, and mm-hmm. from Brooklyn Italians as well. So the clubs are definitely familiar with each other. Yeah, and talking about that, um, that both clubs know each other. They played each other in 2014, uh, and the Cosmos won two one. I mean, two nothing in the U.S. Open Cup. So can you talk about the Brooklyn Italian style of play? Yeah, I can a little bit. I don't want to give too much away before yeah. Sunday, John, as you can understand, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, so our, our team is primarily made up of college players. Mm-hmm. What we try and do is recruit the best players from in and around the Northeast mm-hmm. locally. We try and work with them over the summer and hopefully make them better so that they have a chance to go on and play professionally when they're done with school. So our team will primarily be made up of college guys. Um, we're a possession-based team. Likes to play out from the back. Um, likes to try and dominate possession and, and get in behind things when we can as well. So that's pretty much our style of play. Um, we're a pretty committed team, we're pretty organised, and I like to think we'll be well prepared for Sunday. Obviously, with the game coming around so early for us, we don't have access to the college guys until um, May the 1st, which is obviously today. So our first training session was this morning. So it's going to be difficult for us to really get our message across 100% before Sunday's game, but we're going to do the best we can and hope we can give the Cosmos a good game. Did you watch the match this past weekend against Boston City FC? Did you scout the Cosmos B squad yet? Or Yeah, so I was actually just watching it on YouTube before you called me, John. So <laughs> just about to uh, to finish it up. I saw they had a good result. What are your thoughts on Cosmos B? Because um very experienced squad with some professional players. Um, and you talked about there some 
pros against your college guys, right? So what are your thoughts on the team? Yeah, so it's obviously a very strong team, right? You've got a bunch of guys in there who played MLS or USL, mm-hmm. NASL for a number of years, um, and that's experience that you know you you, you can't really uh, you can't find in college guys. So we're just hoping that youthful enthusiasm will will win through on the day. Um, yeah. But obviously, we're you know we're expecting the Cosmos to be very strong. Um, obviously, Carlos is is their coach now. He's been around some great coaches throughout his career, so I'm, I'm sure he's learned stuff. And he's he's going to be ready. He's going to have the team prepared for Sunday. The Open Cup obviously is a great competition. It's rare to find, especially in this country, that you know the the amateur teams like ourselves will get an opportunity to yeah. play against guys like the Cosmos and play against potentially play against MLS teams, right? And that's really the beauty of sport is you get to play yeah. um, and compete on a level playing field, no matter what the salary difference or, or quality difference um, in a competition like that. So that's the beauty of the Open Cup. Um, obviously, I know there were some some problems with for the Cosmos getting into the tournament, uh, yeah. but I'm glad US Soccer rectified that problem and, and allowed them to compete. Yeah, for sure. And you're really touching on there. Imagine if we had Pro Rel, right? Imagine if Brooklyn Italians uh, can work their way up and face the big boys one day. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. I think that's a conversation you know yeah. that will probably take up the rest of your podcast. So. Thanks to Dominic for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I just want to touch on the last topic on this week's episode, and then we will hear from Eric Stover later in the show. Monday morning, there were multiple articles explaining Rocco Camiso's willingness to personally invest $250 million to grow independent professional soccer in exchange for the United States taking steps to protect his investment by providing a 10-year compliance runaway for his league and strengthening his internal governance standards. Rocco Camiso exchanged emails from April 13, 2018 to April 29, 2018 with U.S. Soccer with the likes of Carlos Quadero and the CEO of the Federation, Dan Flynn. Throughout these letters, Rocco wants to set up a sit-down meeting with U.S. Soccer President Carlos Quadero to discuss in more detail his plan for independent soccer. Quadero is currently traveling the world in support of the United bid. And he won't return. He won't be able to come back and sit down with Rocco until the vote takes place. Don't get me wrong. The World Cup will be great to host in 2026 in this beautiful country. But I feel the domestic game is more important. In other countries, if someone was offering this much money, everyone would stop and listen. But in U.S. soccer, it's just another day. Ricardo Silva offered $4 billion for promotion and relegation. And on Monday, Rocco revealed how he wants to change U.S. soccer. Now the ball is in their court. I would like to introduce Eric Stover, Cosmo's Chief Operating Officer, COO, on the show to um, give more details on this announcement on um, these emails going back and forth. And I really want Cosmos Country, I want your opinion on this. What do you feel about it? Um, you could send in your thoughts on Twitter, on Facebook at First Team Pod. You can send in via email as well at firstteampod at gmail.com. That is firstteampod at gmail.com. And uh, I will read out your thoughts on next week's episode. So, 
Let's hear from Eric Stover. Let's see what he has to say. And then we can have a discussion. We can have a debate on social media and via email. I'm joined by Eric Stover. How are you today, Eric? Very good. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to have you on the show. So Rocco, he wants to start out with uh, 10 teams and a 10-year pathway to comply. Are there any details on uh, the league that you can share? Well, I think it's it's very early. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know people are hungry for details. And Rocco was on a, a show, I guess, where he was pressed or maybe it was in one of the articles on, you know, how many teams and what's it going to look like. Mm-hmm. I don't think we know for sure uh, whether it's 8, 10, 12, uh, how long it'll take to, to get to 20 or anything like that. Um, what I think he's really talking about is putting his money where his mouth is, that he will uh, fund the Cosmos and fund help fund other teams. He using his influence with the banking industry, friends of his that have money, um, people we already know in the soccer world, mm-hmm. and and galvanize uh, the group of people that are, are looking for, I think a lot of people would define as independent soccer. Whatever you want to call it, um, if it's the NASL, and the NASL is obviously going to continue with its, with its lawsuits, whatever it is, it's an idea of, getting some good governance fixes with U.S. soccer and uh, having a sustainable model, a model where you don't struggle with what we did in the NASL the last five years, where either teams are poached or expansion markets are poached or the instability uh, that's created through sanctioning questions turns investors away. Um, That's not good for anybody. Whatever the league is called, um, whatever if it's an existing league, none of that is good for the sport. None of it's good for players, for for employees, for fans. So what he's really suggesting is fix these common sense, good governance uh, issues that are out there. That I think any objective person that understands how federations and government agencies should be um, policing, for lack of a better word. Um, the people that they work with, in exchange for that, he will commit $250 million of his own money, help raise another $250 million or more to run a league that with 10 years runway is something that we can all be proud of mm-hmm. 10 years down the road. It's created more jobs for players, for coaches, for staff. Um, it helps uh, the American player get better put more American players to work in, in a daily competition. And then ideally that trickles up and helps the national team get better. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about independent soccer, right, you we're talking about one league, this new league, what a 10 year runaway, a lot of people want pro rel. So I'm guessing down the line with this working with some other structure or. Yeah. The, it starts to get thorny with the, the mm-hmm. pro rel issue. If you look at Rocco's, first letter he doesn't um call out for pro rel specifically it's not one of his requirements the the bullet points that are there i think are all really good uh points that need to be addressed that uh the men's and women's national team rights should be maximized um, for their value for the federation as a whole it would be better for all of soccer in the United States to have a a pyramid that makes sense and for 
television properties to be of interest throughout the pyramid. And that doesn't mean every single second division game is on national television. That means that there's, um, it doesn't cost second division teams to broadcast their games. And right now, that is 100% the case for everybody involved. Um, and there's not a, a path forward where TV becomes revenue generating. And that's largely because of the, the deals that MLS has and U.S. soccer has and the stranglehold that they have on those rights and who their partners are. Um, and it's, I, I think you can look at TV in England as one example mm-hmm. where the Premier League clearly is the elephant in the room, but they also recognize that there's got to be money that trickles down to second, third, fourth division because that's ultimately where they get their players from. That's ultimately uh, where the, the base of the, the pyramid rests and the popularity of the sport generates. So um, really what everything, everything he's talking about is, is that those foundational issues. Yeah, talking about TV, I think the USL, they charge their team like a TV fee or something like that. Yeah, um, TV is expensive, Um, and people don't realize this. Uh, I got into a debate on Twitter a few months ago talking about how the men's, in in my opinion, and and the people I've talked to in the television industry would would say that the men's and women's TV rights for the national teams are worth more than U.S. soccer is getting right now. Um, And that that overall deal, that $80 to $90 million deal for that bundled package with MLS men's and women's national teams is a disproportionate amount of that revenue is going to MLS. And someone responded that, well, they're getting hundreds of MLS games every year. And what that fails to recognize is now those networks have to pay to produce those games. ESPN goes to Red Bull arena and has to broadcast a game yeah. with six-plus cameras, probably more like eight to ten, real talent, the talent traveling from all over the world, hotels, union labor, um, the, the production trucks that, that are part of that um, broadcast, all mm-hmm. in. That's, at least when I was at Red Bull, that was at least $40,000 a game. Yeah, and well. it's probably more than that now. Um, and so if you add that up across the country, obviously some markets are cheaper than others. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a huge nut for the, the uh, broadcasters to cover. Um, so you can talk about they get 200 games or 100 games, whatever, whatever the number is. There's an enormous cost that comes with it. And then if that cost doesn't uh, get backed up by ratings – and revenue that can be generated either through subs- subscribers or sponsors, then it, it, it ceases to be worth your investment. And that's, you know, it's a big issue that I think requires greater cooperation across all the levels of soccer, um, not to mention the fact that there's a lot of cord cutting going on and uh, most sports are heading towards on-demand platforms mm-hmm. where um, the number of viewers is going to determine the value and it's not going to be subscriber-based because everybody has to have ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN News. Mm-hmm. So 
um, these are very critical issues, I think, for the sport of soccer in this country, uh, especially considering where, uh, you know, the stranglehold that the Premier League and some of the other big clubs like Real Madrid and Barcelona have on soccer fans in the United States. I think the vast majority of soccer fans are following those leagues and not our domestic clubs. So these are things that we all should be talking about. And I I think that's really what Rocco is getting to is Mm -hmm. um, we need to strengthen the foundation at the grassroots level, D3, D2, D1. um, And there has to be uh, a system that is more open and more fair, whether that includes promotion relegation next year or in five years, um, it's not as critical. It's important, very important, but not as critical as some of these other issues that I've been talking about. So how will the money be spent in the new league? Well, it depends. From market to market, it, it's going to be unique. And, you know, you cover the Cosmos and you go to the games and you know that our biggest issue over the last five, six years has been the stadium. Yeah. Uh, whether it's Hostra, MCU Park, uh, trying to build a state-of-the-art stadium. That's been our, our greatest opportunity and our, our biggest challenge. Um, and so here in New York, um, maybe it's a, a renovated stadium or a modular stadium in the right location um, that helps solve that problem, gives us control over our dates and our revenue streams. So in New York, that's one set of issues. If you look at other markets, it might be that it's a good market and it's um, supported very strongly on the grassroots, but the principal owner um, needs some support, to financial support in the short term uh, to help attract more local investors. So very similar to what, um, what uh, not Kraft, because he only owned the one team, but uh, what Anschutz and Hunt did in MLS, where you know, they took control of other teams, and as Houston became more interesting, they were able to sell Houston off. Same thing needs to happen to help strengthen lower division soccer in the United States. There are a lot of markets in this country that mm-hmm. would support it, but you, not only do you need investors locally, but they need to know that in five years down the road, their league's still going to exist, and that the, the money they've invested, if they haven't made a profit, hasn't been wasted because their league's about to fold. And and those are the, the critical issues that Rocco's talking about. And um, like I said, it's going to depend on each individual market, how the money would get spent. Mm-hmm. But if you start talking about modular stadiums, you can get those done for a few million dollars. Um, and if you're running a team and the operating cost is somewhere between five and $10 million a year, and you can possibly generate revenue that, that meets that. Now you start having stability, that you're not losing money every year, that ticket sales and local sponsorships are, are uh, just about covering your operating costs. Um, and you can diversify your interests, whether it's a mixed-use development, a training complex, um, whatever it might be in the individual markets. Those are the the things that will help stabilize second division soccer and create more opportunities for everybody. Has there been any dialogue once the letters were made public? Uh, Do you mean um, between U.S. soccer and and Rocco? Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Uh, To my knowledge, no, but this is all very new. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's important for 
both sides to sit down in a room. There, you know, there seems to be willingness in, in the way some of the letters were written mm-hmm. uh, to meet. Um, hopefully there'll be a conversation soon and we could start a dialogue because I know Rocco's very serious about this. Um, I think he went into owning the Cosmos, not fully aware of how soccer is structured and functions in the United States, and he's learned a lot over the last year and a half. Yeah, uh, he ha- and he has the resources to want to try to fix things. Uh, I, I don't see this at all about trying to raise money, in fact. Uh, and it's not at all about trying to circumvent the process and, and get to first division because doing what he proposed, it, what he's proposing and what he's already spent costs more than uh, what it would cost to either buy an existing MLS team or to um, – build in, in an expansion market. So um, I think he's coming at it with all the, the best intentions. And a lot of people don't understand that or they don't want to understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, at the end of the day, it's about having uh, the best possible soccer in the United States. And he's the type of person that can help make those changes. I hope they do sit down with Rocco. But if they don't, what's plan B or is there a plan B? Again, it's early days, so it's it's hard to speculate on what tomorrow is going to bring. Um, he hasn't ruled out the potential of um, doing it outside of the uh, sanctioning structure of U.S. soccer. Um, I think it's everybody's great um, intention to do to do it within the structure because it answers a lot of questions. It it, if you're in a sanctioned league and you're part of a long-term plan, then investors are going to feel better about their investment. They're going to feel better about in, investing in market A, market B, market C, whatever it might be. Um, if you're in what some people might call a rogue league, that's a hard question to answer. Mm-hmm. You know, why aren't you sanctioned? Well, you don't have a good answer, um, and that's going to put doubt in people's minds, or it might. Um, you know, what, what are players going to say? If, if you're a young superstar player, loads of potential, 17, 18 years old, uh, are you going to sign with a league that's outside of a, a system that maybe you won't get a fair chance for your national team, whether it's the United States or El Salvador or elsewhere? Um, so that nobody's done this before. So you, you don't know. Um, and so, Going with a completely, totally independent league brings a whole new set of challenges that don't already exist. And mm-hmm. I think in everybody's mind, it's easier and better for, for all parties involved if we can find a way to work together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So this last question here, Eric, uh, what concrete steps or assurances could U.S. Soccer Federation perform that might change uh, how Rocco's concern over his business plans leaks and move the process forward? Well, I think it's those bullet points in, in the letter. Um, so I don't have it in front of me, so I apologize. I'll try to do it off memory. But it's all good, yeah. Um, the conflict of interest, I think, is pretty clear between Soccer United marketing and uh, U.S. soccer. Uh, Carlos Cordero said that himself in writing to, I think it was ESPN. It may have been uh, Sports Illustrated, I'm not sure. But um, he has said that himself. And and so those those rights should be publicly bid. 
and those bids should be open for scrutiny um, and they should for the most part go to the highest bidder in that you know you have to have an ability to execute the bid um, but that the the highest amount of revenue comes into u.s soccer so that money can can fund so many things within the federation um, if soccer united marketing is the the winner in an open bid process um, then i think fewer people are going to have problems with that um, and a more open competitive bid process leads to higher revenue and leads to good governance so that i think is absolutely critical um, i think there's issues with the way the board is structured how people get appointed how the voting for positions is heavily weighted and in, in certain directions. In hindsight, there was really no chance for an outsider to win the presidential election um, for U.S. soccer. You, know, um, you needed to get something like 51% of the, or 50% plus one out of 70, 75% of available delegates. And that, that's really hard for an outsider to do. Even an outsider with someone like Eric Winalda or Hope Solo or Kyle Martino's pedigree, um, they just simply can't possibly compete. So looking at that that structure and, and what are the industry standards for good governance in, in making some of those changes. And then, um, you know, the critical thing is that um, – that there's cooperation in a 10-year runway. So the investors in this league feel like they're, they're going to have a league in the long term and they can have a long-term view and they can't cut and run the way San Francisco did um, because they lost money and, and said to themselves, why are we doing this and, and pull out? Um, they have to know that there's going to be a league. 10 years from now and that um, that money they've invested has gone to asset appreciation. Thanks Eric for coming on the show. I really appreciate it and hopefully you can come on real soon. Thanks John. Always good to talk to you. Thanks for tuning into this week's show. I really appreciate it. I'd like to personally thank New York Cosmos Chief Operating Officer Eric Stover and Brooklyn Italian Side Coach Dominic Casquito for coming on this week's show. Hopefully we can have you guys on real soon. I would like to wish best of luck to the boys in green to Cosmos B this Sunday. They will play Brooklyn Italians in the U.S. Open Cup play in game. Hopefully we can get past Brooklyn Italians and go on to uh, the next round of the tournament. So best of luck to the lads this weekend. And as always, let's go New York Cosmos. Yeah, just want to give a shout out to the five points. Borough boys up in the Del Cosmos and the Cross Island yeah. crew. Uh, yeah, it's New York Street and white. What we bleed, you see and fight. Indeed, it seems to be achieving. See, we do and did it right. Cosmo country loving, we above them. I'm just saying. All those lovely somethings come and see it and I'm playing. The fact of it is the rap from tear attacks, hash and bliss. Reacts tap and we win. So fast, racking them in. Whether it's stacking the wing, holding back to the through the mid, cutting the seams. It seems we see anything to be. We got a ball and a dream. Got a ball and a dream. We do. I'm new, it's true. Affects your girl. Down for you, no doubt they do. Surrounding you about the views. Like Shouting cues allowed to you without the dudes. I'm a cruise, I 
track that's no excuse Each session a lesson, it's not about perfection The work's the test and F's connected like a method Not breathless after training, something's gotta be corrected Rushing and acceleration at the start's most suggested Infected with greatness, potential is spacious Out the world, just face it, the work becomes contagious Some may say we made it, but now we've just begun Sorry if you hate it, because I can tell you that I'm far from done